Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Tell the person next to you, God's got a word for you this morning. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Get your Bibles open to Genesis. How many can find Genesis? Amen. If you're here for the first time, that's an easy start. Amen. We're not going to make you look for Habakkuk or Obadiah or any of those small books that take a while to find. Amen. But I want to talk this morning about something I think is very important. And the more I think about it, it's an interesting topic to preach on because uh, I, I think about as we dedicate this baby this morning, babies and kids are very interesting and they teach us a lot. And uh, I think about giving. You know, the Bible says that God gave. How many know God's a giver? God is not a taker. God is a giver. And you think about that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave. So when we think about the character of God, he is a giver. But we are not givers. Tell the person next to you, are you a giver? Did they give you a dirty look? Amen. I'm not going to ask you to have, ask anybody next to you to give you anything. But how many would be honest this morning that giving is not something that comes natural to us? How many would be honest with me and say that that, that's the case? I doubt very seriously that you were born with a giving heart or a heart of generosity. We go back to that nursery and you see the kids in there. Somehow, none of those toys are theirs, but they're all theirs. Mine is one of the first words that are learned, right? And they grab it and they hold on to it. And that's kind of how we are. We're just grown-up kids this morning. And so I want to talk about finances this morning. And I want to know if there's anybody in here that has too many finances or too much finances. Anybody have so much that you can't, can't contain it? I didn't think I'd get any hands raised there. Amen? How many could use some more money? Let me see your hand. You could use some more finances. And most of you raised your hand. Some of you are lying. Amen? Because we all need more finances. But I want to talk about faith and trust and obedience, and I want to talk about us giving to God. This is a message I try to preach about every three months in the church. As you saw Pastor Mario at the time of offering, uh, we give a, a, a verse, we give a teaching, but this is an area of discipleship that the devil does not want you to be victorious in because money is important. I started thinking about how in the Bible, Jesus spoke of 39 parables and 11 of them them, had to do with money. Now, I know we have some guests in the house. We have family from the baby dedication. You might be here for the first time. You might be watching online for the first time. And I know how people think. I like to preach how people think. And so people have a thought outside of the church a lot of times that all a church wants is money. That's all the church is about. And how many know that just like anything, there's a lot of people who manipulate and a lot of people who give God and church a bad name. But how many know money is not a bad thing? It's the love of money that's a bad thing. And we need finances to further the gospel. We like, we like finances when we have them. But if, somebody, if we don't have them, then sometimes it's not so fun. But the cool thing about serving God that I love is He's a God of supernatural favor amen so i want to talk about how we can learn through the bible to be givers this morning because god is not trying to get your money this morning he's trying to get money to you 
Because God already has all the money. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all my needs according to his poverty in heaven. What does it say? According to his riches in heaven. You know the people in this world like Bill Gates and, and the guy from Tesla and Amazon and all these rich people? That's not their money. It's God's money. Amen. Everything on this earth is God's. How many believe that this morning? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the Bible says. So I was thinking, I want to brag on God this last two years. How many can believe it's been two years since the pandemic started? Two years and a month since we got the horrible news that the, let me just throw this out there because I haven't said it for a while, the pandemic started, amen? That's my take on it. And it started about two years ago and it's been affecting our lives ever since. And it's still going to continue to affect our lives because they're not going to take their foot off our throats. They're going to continue to try to control us and cause problems and a lot of it has to do with the Bible but the last two years in our church I can't speak for other churches but I can speak for here in Denton Texas God has done miracles we have seen in a time where and this is bragging on God where many people in the, in the world have lost jobs and lost houses and lost vehicles and lost wages and, and had lots of loss. And in our church, we have seen people buy houses and get promotions and get raises and get out of debt and seen all kinds of financial miracles, amen, during this two years. And that is all to the glory of God, amen, to show what He can do with finances. But as you think about this this morning, I was thinking about the, how many know what the PPP is? The pay, Payroll Protection Plan. If you own a business, you definitely probably know. And I was thinking about how during that time of the, of the pandemic, the, the, the government was giving the Payroll pr Protection Plan, and it was a very good thing for people that needed it. So there's lots of people that needed it. And I started reading on it this week that 10,600 religious organizations received Payroll Protection Plan for over $3 billion dollars. Now, that's totally great and totally fine if those businesses needed that, if those churches needed that. But I was reading on more to find out that a lot of large organizations that had lots of money took that payroll protection plan. And I don't think we should get help if we don't need it. And I want to brag on God this morning that during that two years, we as a church did not take payroll protection plan. And we made it through this pandemic without any help at all. And we kept our doors open. Come on, that's a golf clap, amen? How I many know oh, that's a miracle? No money from the government. And again, that's, the people that needed it should take it, and, and, and you should take it. But I, I was being led by the Holy Spirit not to take it because we didn't need it. Amen. And I just feel like God's going to honor us for that. And so I wanted to brag on God this morning and tell you that you're in a place that if you're sowing seed financially, it's a place that we, the money goes where we say the money's going to go. Amen? So I want to start off in, in Genesis chapter 28, and I want to read a verse, and I want to make this simple, and I want to kind of teach you this morning what God wants from us. God, again, wants, wants to get money to us. He wants to give us resources, but He does require something of us. Genesis 28 is Jacob. Now, Jacob is Abraham's grandson. And I love how this is passed on through the family. We talked about dedicating this child this morning, teaching the child, and then the grandparents and the great-grandparents, and it passes down into the great-grandchildren, the Word of God, training up a child in the way he should go. So 14 chapters before, you can read it later, Abraham tithes for the first time. The word tithe. Tithe means a tenth. He tithes his income to, to, to the priest Melchizedek, 
And then now 28, uh, in 28, Jacob is saying, he makes a vow. A vow is covenants. God is a God of covenant this morning. And he wants you to be in his covenant. He, as I said earlier, he has all the resources. So how many know that's a good person to be in business with? How many know in a partnership you need someone who brings something to the table? Well, God brings a lot to the table. He wants us to be in vow and covenant with him. So Jacob makes a vow and he says, If God will be with me and keep me in my way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, he's talking about his needs, so that I can come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And watch what he says. This stone which I set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all of that you give me, notice that it come, everything we have comes from God, all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Now church, God doesn't need money because he's the owner of everything. We need money and we need to be in obedience to God's plan. So as you see the title again, if you'll put that up there, it says finances. It says faith, trust, and obedience. Those are three things that are really, really important when it comes to finances. I want to give you some really good things to think about this morning. And I want you to write this down. I want you to remember this more than anything else in the whole sermon. God's economy is supernatural. Okay, God's economy is supernatural. How many know we have a world economy? Gas prices are going up, as Pastor Mario said. Food's going up. Uh, everything's going up you just keep noticing price increases and everything but how many know we're in God's economy not the world's economy we don't have to worry about prices going up amen thank you for those three or four amens that are in covenant with God amen we don't have to worry about it because we have a God who's taking care of us and so God's economy is supernatural meaning if you're here and you have a fixed income you have a certain job that pays a certain amount of hour. You don't get overtime. You don't know how to get out of your bills, get out of your problems, get out of your situation. You don't know how to prosper. I want to tell you something. God's a, a supernatural God, and if you will hook up with his principles, he can do miracles in your finances. He can do things that nobody else can do supernaturally. Okay, But it consists of faith, trust, and obedience. Now, back in October, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I preached a message around October, I think, about sowing a seed. And how many know when you sow a seed, and how many have sown a seed? How many, not, I'm not even talking about financial. How many have ever planted something? I'm keeping my hands down. I plant grass. That's about all I can plant. But how many, and, and it does okay for a while. But how many, how, do we have any gardeners in here that are good at planting? All right, I'm going to have you all over at some point. Amen. Help me. But when you put a seed in the ground... When you put it in there, do you put it in there with any expectation? Of course. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. You expect something to come from the seed. You put the seed in the ground, and you expect something to pop through the ground. How many know it doesn't happen overnight? It takes time. It takes watering. It takes the sun. It takes all the right circumstances. But seeds are very important because if we don't have a seed, we can't have a harvest. And so when we tithe and we give to the Lord and we say, God, out of every $1,000 that I make or $100 I make, I'm going to give the $10 that you asked me for out of obedience. And I'm going to stand in a covenant with you and I'm going to see what you can do with my finances. Okay? God blessing my finances. But I want you to read something with me and I'm going to give you a little illustration here in a moment. Look what it says in verse 6. And this is verse 6 through 13 if you're taking notes. New Living Translation. Because it makes it a little simpler. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds 
will get a small crop. How many notice that depending on how much you sow is how much you will reap? If you plant a few seeds, then you'll get a few plants. If you plant a lot of seeds, you'll get a lot of plants. And how many know the more seeds you plant, the more chance you have, the more favor you have to get a good return? So he's saying this very, very simply here. And the one who plants generously, that's another word I want you to see this morning. Because we talked about giving in the beginning, and kids you know, don't have that in them. But being generous is not something you're born. You're not born a generous person. We're born selfish. We're born uh, thinking about what we can get, and we don't usually think about being generous to other people. But I believe the word generous this morning is something God wants some people to grasp this morning. I believe God is looking for some people in here who want to be generous with their giving. And it says, but the one who plants generously, meaning over and abundantly, will get a what? Generous crop. And it says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Now, this is not talking about tithes, because we already talked about tithes. Tithes is a tenth. That's God's. That belongs to the Lord. It's not mine, and it's not yours. I'm going to pause here for a second so I can say this and not forget it. I got a revelation from the Lord a few years ago. I don't know if I heard it from somebody or if I got it straight downloaded from God, but it doesn't matter. The revelation is the same. How many remember the story in the Garden of Eden where God is in the in the garden with Adam and Eve, and he tells them, watch this picture. I think this is a great picture of tithing and, uh, and finances. He says, this entire garden is yours. Every tree, every river, everything's yours. You can, this, this beautiful paradise is yours, and you can do whatever you want with it. He says, but that one tree over there, you can't touch. Does everybody know the story? Okay, maybe you've never heard the story. That's, the, that's how creation began. God said, you can do whatever you want. That's the tree of life. He says, that's mine. And he says, don't touch it. He says, if you touch it, bad things will happen. I believe that that's a picture of the tithe. God says, I give you everything you want, everything you need, but the tithe is mine. I want that back. I don't want you to touch it. And if you'll get that revelation in your heart and your spirit that God has all this stuff that's ours, and he's just simply looking for someone to obey. Simply obey and say, you know what? That's what the Bible says. That's what I'm going to do. Now, I'm going to say something for some of you theologians in here that might know the Bible better than me and say, well, the, 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 the tithes isn't in the New Testament and all these different things you're going to throw out. Well, I'm going I'm to tell you this. When I get to heaven, if God tells me I gave too much, I don't think I'm going to have a problem with that. Did you hear me? So if I didn't have to tithe and I gave more than I was supposed to give, I don't think that's going to be a bad thing. But I do want you to ponder if you get to heaven and you didn't give enough. I just, want you, I just want to leave that right there for you to think about for a little bit. I don't want to be on that side. I want to be on the generous side. I want to be on the obedient side. So going back to this, it says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So if you're going to give this morning because this, this message pressured you, don't be a giver. Just keep it. Because God doesn't want that kind of, of giving. He wants us to give because he gave. He wants us to give because we love him. Amen? And watch what it says. God loves a cheerful giver. And God will generously provide all that you need. How, would like, how many would like God to meet your needs but generously? Then you will always have everything you need. And how, would, how many would like to have some leftovers? Plenty left over to share with who though? 
with others. So God wants us to, wants to bless us so we can be a blessing to somebody else. So we can help somebody else. And it says, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. I'm telling you this morning, God keeps good books. God sees every penny, every dime, every dollar that you've ever given, and he keeps good books this morning. And it says that you'll be able to give to the poor, and good deeds will be remembered forever. And so we are able to take money that comes in here and give it all around the world. Last week, we took up a missions offering for Costa Rica, and all the money that we needed came in, and some. Can you give God praise for that? And some. And we sent it to Costa Rica, and it's already there. It hasn't even been a week, and the money's already in Costa Rica. So if you gave in that offering, it didn't even sit in the bank. It just ran straight to Costa Rica or got on a boat or however it got there. Amen. So verse 10, watch this. For God is the one, God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. So God is the one who provides the seed. This makes me think of the the scientist who said to, to God, God, we can create man just like you from dirt. We can do that too. You're not that great. Get, we, we can do that. And God says, okay, go ahead. Show me how you can do it. And they went back and responded and said, all we need is you to give us the dirt. And God said, get your own dirt. See how God's the creator? God's got the dirt. God's got the seed. So if I'm going to have a blessing in my life, I've got to have the seed that the Bible says only comes from God. In the same way, watch this, he will provide and increase your resources. Am I talking to anybody that wants to have your resources increased? And then it will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. You don't have to raise your hand, but I hope and I believe there's some people in here that want to be more generous. They want to give more. They want to be a blesser. They want to be someone who gives and helps and doesn't tell the right hand what the left hand is doing. They just bless. Now, I want to give a quick uh, illustration if Braden can head up here. And as he's coming up here, I'll keep reading this. Watch this. Yes, you will be enriched in every way, verse 11, so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, like Costa Rica, they will thank God. Amen? They will thank God. Now, I want to I do something with this apple this morning. And we're very sanitary because it's, um, because it's COVID time. Well, sickness is around, bacteria and all that. So we're going to, apples in the bag. We got gloves. So we're not going to touch the apple. I don't know if it's on right or not. How many like apples? Anybody like apples? Apple a day keeps the doctor away. So, here's the apple. I want to show you an illustration. This is the finished work. Okay? Seed went in the ground. An apple came out. And now I can take this apple and I can cut it up. Good looking guy right here, huh? He's taking girls, sorry. Don't try this at home. All right. It's out of here. Okay, now, Braden is going to go around with his gloves on and pass out some pieces of apple. Notice how I can take this one apple 
and make lots of pieces. All right, that's quite a bit more. I think I did more this time than multiplied. So as, as you raise your hands, if you want a piece of apple, he's going to kind of spread them out different places. Those that are watching on TV, you can go to your fridge and get an apple. Just eat that apple. I promise there's no trick, no worms. Good apple. So we took this awesome apple that came from, oh, with these gloves, it's hard to grab. Came from a seed. Right? Let me see if you're eating the apple. It's good? Tastes good? So all these pieces of delicious apple came from a seed. The apple is the fruit, obviously, of the seed. It's what came from putting the seed in the ground. I want you to look at the apple that you're eating as God's provision for your life. But with, when we tithe, we put the seed in the ground, and then we get the fruit back to eat, to live off of. But if we're not tithing, then we're eating the seed. And how many know seeds don't necessarily taste good? They're kind of bitter. I'm going to give Braden a few seeds. I got two more. If I can get some people that will be willing to chew up a seed, I promise an apple won't grow in your stomach. I think whatever, whatever's there. Thank you, buddy. Who will eat a seed? Jerry will eat one. Okay. Just chew that thing up. That, that guy over there, he went, that, that young man wants seed. <laughs> kind of bitter, right? Doesn't taste very good. Not only is it bitter, now you've eaten the seed and so you can't get a harvest. I want you to think about that when you tithe and sow your seeds. Seeds, listen to this, seeds are not meant to be eaten. Your tithe is not meant to be kept. Your tithe is meant to be sown in the ground in the covenant of God and then God takes that seed and he makes something beautiful and makes something tasty with it. Okay? So I want you to think about that as you think about the seed and the parable of the seed and what God is trying to teach us out of that. If, if Imagine this morning if all of us were not generous, and I, and I want to tell you again, thank you as a church for your faithfulness. You guys are an amazing church. You're amazing givers. Every time we have a missions, God meets the need. You guys are faithful. And, and I'm telling you that that's why, church, we came through the pandemic like we did. Because people said, you know what, I'm going to be in covenant with God. But I want you to understand something. If everybody had an attitude of selfishness and got that seed and, and did what they weren't supposed to do with it and ate the seed, there's no fruit. There's no apple. There's no growth. And so we have to understand that when we do our part this morning and we don't eat the seed and we plant the seed, that God can take that seed and multiply it into many, many, many apples and much, much, much fruit. But when we do the right thing, going back to this, obedience. We don't have to tithe, we get to. When we realize that everything that I have comes from God, I willingly do it. And I want to be obedient and I want to do what God's word says. And I want to look this morning at a parable in Luke 12, if you want to go there in your Bibles. And as you're going there, if you take notes, I was thinking about this and I thought this was a great quote. quote tithing isn't really giving, it's returning. Because God gives us everything, and then He tests us with, will we return it back to Him? And think about the 10%. What if God asked us for 90? 
That'd be a big difference. But the 10% is really not that much. But God says, I can do a lot with 10% because I'm a God that multiplies. And so when everybody in a church is doing what they're supposed to do and everybody's in covenant with God and out of their increase they tithe and they give like you guys do so faithful in this church, God begins to do things to where we can go and move and preach and function without limits and without restraints. We have a need that we need to take care of. We can take care of it. Amen? Are you all still here? All right. Let's look at this parable. I'm not going to read the whole thing for time because I want to get to something else as well. But you read it later, 13 to 33. It's about 20 verses. But I do want to read starting in verse 16, if you can go there. It says, He told them a story, and a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, now as I say this, how many realize this morning that there are a lot of people in this world that have no covenant with God and they're rich? So you might say, well, you can make money and be prosperous without God. Yes, absolutely you can. But you're also going to have to answer to God someday for what you made. Everybody's going to answer to God. Everybody's going to answer to God. Whether they believe in God or not, they're going to stand before God one day. So people do make money. This, this, This parable is called the parable of the rich fool. That's kind of weird, huh? How can you be rich and be a fool? Well, this is what this parable is saying. It says, he had fertile farm that produced fine crops, but he said to himself, here's what I'll do. I don't have room for all my crops. So he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear my barns down, and I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods, and I'll sit back to myself, what the world says today, and I'll say, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat drink and be merry take that verse down just for a second and think about this this morning i think about this all the time so many people taking that there you thank you so many people in this world today billions of people are working on their retirement and working on uh, having money when they're older and there's nothing wrong with that and one day they're going to die and they can't take any of it with them and they haven't given one second of thought to where they're going to spend eternity Think about that. I'm talking people who have, whether it's hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands or millions or billions of dollars in the bank, they can make the world move this morning with their finances and they cannot take it with them. And they don't spend any time thinking about eternity and what they're doing that's going to have an eternal impact. Because church, listen, this is a fact. You can make money and you can have a business and you can multiply, and you can have a great flow of income in your life, and you can have things, and that's all fine. But what you, whatever you give to God is what's going to last. Whatever's not given to the kingdom of God will perish. Can somebody give me an amen so I can move on? Am I preaching the truth? This is what this story's telling us. Now, put that back up if you would, whatever verse we were at. And it says... I'll sit back and eat and drink and be merry. But God says, verse 20, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? And then it says, yes, a person is a fool to store up wealth. Now, it could stop there and say, man, you're dumb to get rich. No, that's not it. He says, if you store up wealth but are not having a rich relationship with God. 
So you can be wealthy and blessed and rich and have a relationship with God, and I call you doubly blessed. Doesn't mean you can't have money. Doesn't mean you can't have wealth. Doesn't mean you can't have finances. But it says your relationship with God has to be rich. That God is involved in all of your finances and all of your decisions and all the things that you do in your life. Now push down to verse 30 real quick. And he says, this is something Pastor Mario read, but in a different book in Matthew. This is in Luke. He says, don't be concerned about what you eat and what you drink. That doesn't mean that you don't get up and go to work. That doesn't mean you just sit back and take government pay and live off the land. He's saying, don't worry, because I'm in control. I have, a, I have a God's economy that is different from the world's economy. And church, I don't worry when I go to put gas in the car about the gas being more expensive, because what is worrying about it going to do? Is it going to make it go down, or is it going to give me an ulcer? No benefit's going to come from me saying or worrying about the gas going up. I can, as a believer in Jesus Christ and a covenant man with God, not be concerned about gas going up because where I lose in the apples, I'll make up in the oranges. Where something goes up over here, God's providing over here in another way because I'm in covenant with God. Amen? So it says, don't worry about such things. Now look at what verse 30 says. How many want to be godly this morning and not worldly? He says, these things, worrying, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. Dominate it. But your Father also already knows your needs. And here's the key. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and He will give you everything you need. Tell the person next to you that's a promise you can take to the bank. That's a promise. But here's the key, though. Seek the kingdom of God first. Your mind, your decisions, your thoughts are all about kingdom. They're all about God. And look at this next verse, 33. This is so powerful. So sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And this is cool. The purses of heaven or the bank accounts of heaven, if you want to put it that way, never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. What you give into heaven, once you give it to it, your, your tithe, your offering, your generosity to the church, and God does what He does in the church for the kingdom of God, it is in your eternal bank account. And it's making interest. It's better interest than any investment you can do in the world. I don't care what the numbers are. The best investment you can make this morning is in the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Luke chapter 16. Watch this. Verse 13. Here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. My flesh and my spirit. My flesh. Say that with me. My flesh and my spirit. They're constantly battling. They're fighting against each other. My flesh wants to hold. My flesh wants to hoard. My flesh wants to be selfish. And my spirit wants to give. My spirit wants to be generous. My spirit wants to have faith. My spirit wants to have trust. But God says, you cannot have both. You've got to choose a side. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. 
or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And watch what it says. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So I say this all the time, and I, and I believe with all my heart, you can have things, say it with me, someone finish it for me, if things don't have you. It's not about the things, it's about, because I, I have seen in, over, over the years people who are poor with a, with a, with a, with a, with a poverty mentality, and, and they, they hold on more than, than, than people who have lots, and vice versa. I've seen people who have lots and never give. So it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. Who's your master, God is asking. Is it me, or is it money? The Bible calls it a spirit of mammon. Where mammon has you. Mammon holds you. God, Here's the test. God tells you, do this. God tells you, give this. God tells you, sell this. And as I'm saying those words, you're thinking of something else right now, like lunch or something amen because you're like that was for the person next to me not me amen right but what if God speaks to you to do something and you do it and then God begins to say that's a person I can put more through because they listen to me they trust me and they obey me because remember God has all the finances in the world now Write this down if you're taking notes. I'm beginning to close. This is so good. Three things to get right. Write these down. Three things. Simple. Spend wisely. You know what that means? That means no matter how much money you have or little you have, you spend wisely. You compare prices. You try to get the best deal. You, you check things out. Especially if you're going to buy a, something big, something that's, you know, more than $100. You check it out. You find the price. And, and you look at things and you search around. How many know we have all kinds of options today to try to buy something? So you spend wisely. Number two, save diligently. Now the third one's going to jack you up. Spend wisely, save diligently, and give generously. Now, isn't that weird sounding? How can you save diligently and give generously? That's kind of like an oxymoron or a double standard. Not in the kingdom of God. Because when you get the spirit of generosity in your life, God begins to bring finances and resources from places that you never had before. Blessings come. And it's not, listen, it's not because you're saying, God, I want you to bless me. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. Matter of fact, you're not even thinking about God blessing you. You're thinking about his kingdom, and you're thinking about his righteousness, and you're doing obedient things, and God is just saying, I want to bless that person. Is anybody a parent in here this morning? Parents, when your kids do right, <laughs> When your kids do right. Amen? Right? Maybe it's far and few in between. But when they do right. How many want to bless your kids when they do right? As a parent. As a good parent. You want to give them stuff. You want to bless them. You want to give them what they ask for. You love them. That's, that's the kind of father we have. He wants to bless us. 
But how many parents want obedience from your kids? And if they're not being obedient, you're not going to bless them. You want to spank them. Amen. You want to punish them. You don't want them to have anything. Don't ask me for anything for six months. Right? That's, it's the total opposite. Our Father, we're made in God's image. So just like you with a parent, when your kids are obedient and they're doing the right thing, you want to give them anything that you can give them. God is a God that's even better than that. Amen? Now write this down. Tithing is believing that God can do more with your 90%. Listen to this closely. I'm going to say this slowly. Tithing is believing that God can do more with your 90%, your 90 because you gave 10 to God, than you can do with your 100%. Did y'all catch that? I'm going to say it backwards. Over here, tithing is believing that I, sorry, God involved can do more with the 90% I have than I can do myself with the 100% I have. Y'all get that? I know I'm not very good at math either. It'll sink in. Later on, some of you are going to be like, that's what it was. Meaning, God can do a lot with a little. He just wants obedience. Okay? So write this down again. God's economy is supernatural. It means it's unexplainable. I don't have time this morning to tell you all the stories. And I got some stories. And I should have wrote them down. I always tell you, my mama told me all my life, write things down. I wish I'd have listened to her. Man, do I wish I'd have listened to her. Write a book. Not, not to sell the book, but just to have the stuff written down. I've seen God do so many miracles and finances over the years. Supernatural things that don't make sense. And you've got to realize, in my position, my, I'm just speaking for myself, God's never let me have a business. Except for a time when I had to to start the church. I just want you to understand that. And that doesn't mean a pastor can't have a business and can't have businesses. I'm telling you from me, he's never let me have a business. He's always told me, I want you to do what I'm telling you to do. Everybody's individual. Everybody's individual. But I feel like I have a business mind. I've had my own business at different times. But for the last 20 years, God has said, I don't want, every time a business idea comes along, every time, I don't want you to have a business. Preach. So that means, what I'm trying to say is, I'm very limited on my income, on how I can make money. Because I could go make money, but God's like, don't do that. So I have had to trust God, and in my limited resources, God has done miracles. Miracles and miracles and miracles, and nobody in here can tell me this morning that God doesn't do miracles in finances. But again, things don't happen overnight. You've got to stay in this race long enough to see the seeds grow. I'm now at 48 years old and 30 years in the ministry starting to see the seeds that I've planted and finances come, come to become something more than a little plant. And I'm believing God for more. Because I'm challenging myself to be a greater giver. I'm not challenging you. I'm challenging myself. But God will challenge you. And he'll say, why don't you step out a little more? Why don't you trust me a little more? Why don't you try some things? Why don't you show me some faith that I'm the God that you can trust? And just obey me and see what I can do in your finances. Because a lot, amen, come on. A lot of you have been trying to do stuff with your finances in your own power. And some of y'all ain't getting nowhere. 
I don't know your situations. I'm just telling you, you're not getting to where you want to go. Well, why don't you start trying to do something you've never done? Amen. Last story. 1 Kings chapter 17. Watch this. God's a God of supernatural. I'm not going to read the whole thing. We're going to pick up, I think, from the first service. It was around 13 or so. And take, take, it, uh, take it back down for a second. Yeah, 13, but take it back down for one second. I want to tell this story real quick. So Elijah, and pay attention to this, because this is the God of supernatural. Remember before I tell this story, if you've read your Bibles, just a quick example, how God shows he can do things that are not explainable. He told Peter, he wanted him to go fish for a, for a fish, and he says, we need to pay the taxes for, um, to Caesar. They said, who do you pay the tax to? So he goes, go, Peter, and fish. Peter goes and throws his line in, pulls the fish out. He says, the first fish you catch is going to have money in it. I call that supernatural. He fishes. He pulls the fish out. He opens the mouth, and there's a coin there. And with that coin, he goes and pays the taxes that are due. That tells me that God can provide money supernaturally. Again, this does not take away from working. This does not take away from planning. This does not sit back and wait for God to dump a dump truck of money on you. Especially if you're not faithful in your tithes. But if you're in covenant with God, He can do miracles. And He can bring money from sources that don't make any sense like a fish's mouth. And so he go, Elijah goes to this lady, and this is crazy. How many want to have crazy faith? I don't want to, I, I preached a message a bunch of years called ridiculous faith. I don't just want to have faith. I want to have ridiculous faith, crazy faith. And this, this man goes to this widow, and God speaks to him and says, go to this woman, and she is broke. Her husband's dead. She's a widow. It's just her and her son. And she starts to, they meet, they meet on the road, and he says, hey, what's going on? She says, I'm on my way to get some sticks to make my last meal for my son and I, and then we're going to die. It's a pretty sad story. Guess what Elijah says? He goes, oh, he doesn't say, oh, let me pray for your situation. He does something crazy. He says, go ahead and get the sticks. Go ahead and make the meal. Stay with me on this. But before you eat, give me something first. What? That's crazy. Is that crazy? Can you imagine? But that's the kind of God we serve because he's testing our faith, our trust, and our obedience. Now put that verse up and watch what happens. And Elijah says, don't fear. Do as you said. Make me a small cake. Write this down in your notes. First. Would you please write that down if you're taking notes and you care? First. First. Primero. Number one. Not second, not third, not later. First. He didn't say, go make a cake, and then let's split it up in three. He said, go make a cake, and make me one first. And bring it to me, and then afterward, now stay with me on this church, afterward, make some for yourself and your son. That means supernatural, because he's getting, they only had one meal, she said. Now watch what happens. And the Lord God of Israel, says the Lord, the, says the bin of flour will not be used up. Nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Or in other words, until I provide a different way. In 
And she went away, and here's the key, and did according to the word of Elijah. You'd be amazed how far you'd go with God if you would just do what he says to do. Don't question why. Don't ask why. I can't tell you how many times sitting in a conference, and listen, none of these things that I'm saying are to brag. I'm telling you testimonies of my own faith. Sitting in a conference as a missionary and getting an honorarium to preach during the conference and having missions night come on a Thursday night, because I usually preach Tuesday or Wednesday, and having the check in my pocket that I need to take to the bank in cash and buy some clothes for my family or some tires for my car or something that we need because I'm a missionary and God says put that in put the check in all that take the whole check not tithe put the whole check in I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit spoke that to me let me tell you something that's a seed and let me tell you something that seed's going to bring me forth a harvest because I didn't give it just to give it. I gave it out of obedience, and I'm going to get it back. Because God doesn't ask you to do something like that if he's not up to something. He was up to something with this lady. She got a revelation in her spirit, and she said, okay, I ain't got nothing to lose. We're going to die anyways. I might as well give this a try. So she goes and makes that cake, and it provides, and it says she went away and did, and she and her household ate for many days next verse and the bin of flour was not used up nor did the oil of, of, of oil, jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke to Elijah that's a good word it's supernatural and the last thing you can write down to, to have in your notes and this is a revelation Someone even came up to me after service this morning, after the first service. You don't have to come and tell me nothing, but someone came up and said this was a revelation for them again. But over the last couple years, I've had people come and tell me this was a revelation. There's a special blessing on first fruits, meaning you give your tithe first. So if I get a, uh, put that verse up if you don't mind, Proverbs 3. If I get, a, if I get paid on Friday, a lot of people get paid by a, 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 a bank, bank deposit. As soon as it hits the bank, and I'm up early on Friday because I'm on my way to discipleship, text to give, first thing. I don't pay a bill with it. I don't pay my mortgage with it. I don't go grocery shopping. I pay first fruit right off the bat, right immediately I pay tithe. I'm telling you there's something to this, first thing. Because you'll say, well, I, I, I'll pay this bill and I'll pay this bill. And I'm going to pay it. And, most, and even if you pay it, that's great. But you keep putting it off and then maybe you don't pay it. Because by the time you pay all these other bills, there's nothing left. God doesn't want leftovers. He wants first fruits. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits, watch this, of all your increase. Any increase that comes into your life, tithe on it tithe on it first and watch what God does and look at what it says so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats vats is another way for, for today in our in our wording to your bank account will overflow with new wine amen overflow how many would like to have an overflow in your finances but not just so we can say look how much money I got in the bank so we can be a blessing so we can give to the kingdom of God 
Bow your heads and close your eyes if you would, please. Father, thank you for your word. Your word, God, I'm preaching your word. Not my thoughts, not my words, but your words. And God, you want to increase us today. You want us to be generous today. You want to put money through our hands so we can continue to be a blessing to others. Lord, I believe that you're speaking to hearts this morning that maybe have never tithed. Maybe there's here people that tithe from time to time that haven't been faithful on it. Maybe there's some here that have never tithed and you're speaking to them. God, I don't, you're speaking to lots of different people in lots of different ways. And God, even in a message that's about finances, you're speaking to the heart of that person this morning that's here that doesn't know who you are. Because your Holy Spirit is so real and so powerful. Right now in this place, across this place, we're going to pray in a moment at the altar for our finances. We're going to pray God to provide and to bless and to rebuke the devourer. And we're going to make some decisions. But I want you to note this morning, right now, what really matters at this moment is your heart. Watching online, listening on the podcast, sitting in that seat right there, God is knocking on the door right now of your life. And He's saying, I want to come in. I want to be Lord of your life. Will you let me in? We've got to open the door. If you'll open the door, Jesus says, I'll come in and I'll dine with you. I'll spend time with you. God is a good God, is that song we sang today. His goodness is so awesome. His mercy endures forever. But today, are you ready to meet Jesus? We're all going to stand before Him. We're all going to stand before God one day on that, on that judgment day, and we have to give an account for our lives. It's not about a church you go to or a religion you belong to. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. How many across this place from front to back and side to side could, could say, Pastor, I need you to pray with me this morning because I don't know Jesus. Would you just lift up your hand? Just lift it up. I see your hand. How many more? All across this place. I don't know Jesus. Honest hearts, I see your hand. How many more? I see your hand, young man. God bless you. How many more? You know what this means? This means if you die today, just last week, or I think it was Wednesday night, Brian gave a testimony of a, of a coaching friend of his right here in the Metroplex that was watching the national championship basketball game at 35 years old and just died right in the middle of the game with six kids. Went into eternity. Just like that. You're not supposed to die at 35. Especially of a heart attack. If you died right now, are you trying to scare me, Pastor? No, I'm trying to save your life. I'm trying to get you to spend eternity in heaven. Jesus died for you. Why would you not accept the gift? I guarantee you if I put a million dollars up here in a box, nobody would deny a million dollars. Salvation is beyond money. It's priceless. You don't have to answer me this morning, but I'm asking you this morning, what will you say to God, a holy, righteous God, when you stand before Him? Here's what someone told me last week. I'll go to heaven because I'm a good person. I said, that's not what the Bible says. If you're here and you think you're a good person, great that you're a good person. You're not going to go to heaven because of that. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. You're going to go to heaven because you believe in what Jesus Christ did on the cross because he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. I'm not asking you to join our church today. I'm asking you, are you ready to stand before God? 
How many more? I'm going to wait just a few more seconds. I believe God is tugging on your heart this morning. I believe he's, I mean, I see your hand. I believe he's knocking on your door. I see your hand. How many more? Just a few more seconds. Maybe you're here, and at some point in your life, you said that prayer. You believe, but today, your life is not lining up with God's word. You've gone wayward. You've gone back to an old lifestyle. You've made some mistakes, and today you need to get right. Come back to the mercy seat of God and say, Lord, I want to make things right today. The Holy Spirit's speaking to me. Maybe that's you. Just lift your hand up. Put it right back down. All across this place. Let's stand to our feet, if you would. You still have a time right now as we open up this altar. Listen, again, I don't say this to scare you, but you know what? You know why I'm so serious at the altar call? Because I don't know if I'll have another chance to give you an altar call. I'm not promised tomorrow. This may be my last altar call. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Because one day you're going to stand before God, and just as we look at this screen, you're going to look up at that screen, and God's going to show you your life. And He's going to show you this morning, if you're here, and you don't know Jesus, that a preacher gave you an opportunity to be saved. And He's going to show you sitting there in that chair, and He's going to say, you should have lifted your hand, and you should have got saved, but you were too ashamed, or you thought, I don't know what you thought. You should have gave your life to Jesus because I gave you that chance. That preacher gave you the chance. How are you going to get out of that? You won't. You'll have no excuse. So as they lift their, those that lifted their hands come, maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you need to make a public confession of your faith this morning and say, I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I believe he's the son of the living God, and I believe he died on the cross for my sins. Those that raised their hand, would you find that nearest aisle and just come out this morning? Just find that nearest aisle. Step out. And maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you need to come. Come on. Come on down. Come on up here, which, if you don't mind. You can still look at me. You don't have to look at them. Come on. Come on. How many more? How many more? You didn't raise your hand, but you need to come. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray this with those that are online as well. This is all about y'all. Young man, this, this service was for you this morning. Isn't it amazing that I can speak about money and a young man can say, I want Jesus. It doesn't matter what the subject is, the Holy Spirit is speaking. I'll never forget being at the old building and having most of the women's track team, which Jerwan, was Jerwan here in this service or in the first service? She was in the first service. We had, she was, she's the only one that's left in this area because they all go back to where they live. But we had most of the women's track team. And I preached a message on finances that day. And it was a small church then. We were probably 20 or 30 people. And I'm thinking, God, I don't want to speak this. These people ain't got no money. I don't, I don't want to offend them. He said, preach, the, preach what I told you to preach. And they all came forward and got saved. And I'm thinking on a financial message. The Holy Spirit speaks because his word is preached. Amen. So you guys say this from your heart with me. And then those that are online, I believe some people online are watching right now. And you just say this prayer as well. Amen. And we're going to say it from right here. And God's going to do a work. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God. That you came down from heaven and you died on the cross for all of my sins. I am a sinner and I am not worthy. I fall short. But you are a good God. And you're a faithful Savior. 
I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you rose from the dead and you're in heaven praying for me. From this day forward, it's not my life anymore. My life belongs to you. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean with your precious blood and write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.